Welcome to another episode of D-List in the Podcast. I'm Michael K. And I'm Allison. The New York Times is doing like a uh, docu-series type thing called mm-hmm. The New York Times Presents. And so the, f- the first one they did is called Framing Britney Spears. And it covers Britney's rise as a pop star, her mental breakdown in front of the entire world, her conservatorship, and her father, Jamie Spears, becoming her conservator, and the free Britney movement, and Britney fighting court to get Jamie removed as his conservator. So it covers all that. It's on FX and Hulu right now. Britney apparently knows about it, but hasn't seen it. Why would she? Yeah, no interest for her. Good for her. Allison, you haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. No, I'm trying to find a way for me to see it, but I, I want to watch it. It's not in Canada? I don't have, yeah, <laughs> America exclusive. No, I don't have um, I don't have cable TV, so it's very tricky for me to come across things like that. I have to stumble upon them <laughs> through completely legal Stop. ways. <laughs> Just happen upon them sometimes. I haven't happened upon it yet, but when I do, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so we will watch it. Um, mm-hmm. But from what I've read, it the documentary calls out Jamie Spears, calls out Justin Timberlake, Diane Sawyer, and the media as a whole, which includes blogs, which includes Delisted, which includes me. Allison, you weren't... I was just doing Delisted by myself at the time, so you're off the hook. I might have been Facebooking about it at the time, so I'm just as guilty. And I regret some of those posts. But yeah, so it covers all of that. And We're Sorry Britney Spears trended over the weekend as a response to the documentary, which shows how so many people, like including mainstream media, mainstream media, you know, comedians and regular people made jokes during that time in her life. And it really was like a circus. The paparazzi coverage was insane. Yeah, I remember those days. And it was like, it felt like every day there was something new about Britney Spears. And I mean, I, I accidentally, I will be quoting Chrissy Crocker, but it was, it was like, just leave her alone. Like, I didn't, we didn't need to know. I didn't need to see pictures of her, you know, like eating inside a McDonald's. But there was obviously a... Someone did. A, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? uh, An audience Audience for it. it. A market for it. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, every morning there were 10,000 new paparazzi pictures from the night before. But um, let's start with Justin Timberlake, Mm -hmm. why people are calling out Justin Timberlake. So Britney and Justin dated for three years before breaking up for good in 2002. That same year, Justin released Cry Me a River, which was about a woman cheating on him. And in the video, he used a Britney lookalike. So he was not subtle at all. Mm Mm-mm. Everyone figured that was his way of saying that Britney cheated on him. And it was rumored that she cheated on him with choreographer Wade Robson. That was never confirmed. But Britney was, you know, seen as the cheating hussy harlot. Mm -hmm. And Justin, around that time, bragged about having sex with Britney during interviews. Right, because like Britney Spears had famously said in interviews that she was you know, saving herself till marriage and, you know, stuff like that. Even though, again, that was like the media pushing her to admit that. 
Yeah, and he came out and said, yeah, we had sex. Yeah. We did sex stuff. And he didn't do it once. He did it in several interviews. So the documentary accuses Justin of launching his solo career by slut-shaming Britney. And fans want him to address that, which I don't think he will. But he does have a new movie out. So maybe. Yeah, depending on how much press he needs for that movie. Uh, probably a lot because I've seen the trailer for that movie. Yeah, accurate. So. <laughs> Diane Sawyer is also catching shit because of an interview she did with Britney in 2003 when Britney was 22. So during that interview, Diane showed Britney a clip of the wife of the governor of Maryland at the time saying that she would shoot Britney since Britney's not a good role model. Diane shows her this clip. That's psychotic. Yeah. Also, Diane brought up Britney's split with Justin and the cheating rumors and uh, told Britney that, you know, like she, that Britney caused him so much pain and what did she do to him? And Diane, like, painted Justin as some sort of victim. He has gone on television and pretty much said, You broke his heart. You did something that caused him so much pain, so much suffering. What did you do? I was upset. I was upset for a while. We both, I think we're both really young and it was kind of waiting to happen. And I will always love him he'll always have a special place in my heart he is such a great person and when diane brought up justin accusing britney of cheating on him britney just said that there's two sides to every story and she's not saying he's wrong but she's not saying he's right either and britney also ends up crying in that interview and back then that interview probably didn't make people bat an eye but when i watched it today Mm -hmm. i'm like what the fuck, Diane? Yeah. Like, who knew Diane was a Justin Timberlake stan, first of all? Second of all, you're trying to get us to feel sorry for his ass? I know, that's that's a real... You call yourself a journalist, Diane Sawyer? Nobody should be feeling sorry for Justin Timberlake. Yeah, the early aughts were fucked up. So now let's talk about Britney's dad. Uh, Jamie Spears was never really involved in Britney's career or life that much. And during the documentary, uh, the senior director of marketing at Britney's record label said that the only thing Jamie ever said to her was, my daughter's going to be so rich and buy me a boat. (laughs) Jamie Spears on the podcast? Calling in from Louisiana? It is I, Jamie Spears. <laughs> Buy me a boat. So, yeah, so he didn't play that big a part in her career and focused on his cooking career. You know, he did open up a Southern restaurant in New York City called Nyla that Nyla. I went to once. Did you really? Oh, it was awful. Okay, can I ask you, when you went, I so I've seen pictures from the inside of Nyla when it opened, and it was very, like, brightly colored it kind of looked like monica's apartment from friends was purple and green i believe yes and there's lots of like curvy letters yes. like nyla might have been dead in like curls font is that what it looked like yeah it was really ugly it was two stories it was a huge restaurant mm-hmm. and it was a huge flop 
Um, but Jamie did get involved in Britney's entire life during her breakdown. And at the time, he really came out as the hero of this story. In 2008, yes, I would I would agree. He was painted as we were led to believe that he was like the person who really helped her out. Because many assholes had like leached onto Britney and it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And so at the beginning of 2008, Britney was put under a 5150, which is an involuntary psychiatric hold. And she was put under a conservatorship that was led by her father and attorney Andrew Wallet. For those who don't know, a conservatorship is when a person is appointed to be the guardian of someone who isn't capable for whatever reason to make decisions for themselves. So Brittany's been under that conservatorship for 13 years. She's 39 now. But within the past few years, things between Brittany and her dad have gotten messier. So Jamie reportedly got into a physical fight with Brittany's 13-year-old son, and he later temporarily stepped down as her conservator, but came back, and he's currently her co-conservator again. And Brittany doesn't want this. She's been trying to make changes to that. She's gotten her own lawyer and wants her father removed as her conservator permanently. Brittany's not asking to end the conservatorship yet, but she doesn't want her dad to be in charge of her money anymore. Jamie reportedly makes $130,000 a year as her conservator, but sources say it's not about the money to him and that he thinks he needs to stay on because he's been doing it for so long. Uh, By the way, Brittany's mom is on her side in this legal fight. Mm -hmm. And they're divorced, yes? Yes, they're divorced. Mm -hmm. The Free Britney movement was started by fans who believe that Britney wants out of her conservatorship, and they've been calling out her conservator, Daddy Spears, of course. And he hates the Free Britney movement because... Duh, he would definitely hate the Free Britney movement since they want him out and he wants to stay in. Britney has shown support for the Free Britney movement, so it seems like she likes some of what they're saying. And Britney's older brother has also said that she wants out of the conservatorship. Britney and her dad haven't said anything about the documentary, but Britney's man is talking. She's been with Iranian fitness model Sam Asghari since 2016. And there's always been talk that Britney's dad even controls who she dates mm-hmm. and that yep. he hired Sam to date her. But if that's the case, Sam has rebelled. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I believe that he like hired Sam to date her. Maybe he like introduced them. But clearly things are not good between Sam and Jamie. No, no. And after Britney, after Framing Britney came out, Sam told People Magazine that he loves and supports her and is thankful to her fans. But then on Instagram, he got all the way real (laughs) and he called out Jamie Spears and did not mince any words. So Sam wrote on Instagram, I have zero respect for someone trying to control our relationship and constantly throwing obstacles our way. In my opinion, Jamie is a total dick. 
I won't be going into details because I've always respected our privacy, but at the same time, I didn't come to this country to not be able to express my opinion and freedom. <laughs> I like to think, by the way, of Sam, like coming to America, going through immigration, and they're like, okay, Sam, why are you here? And he's like, because I want the freedom to call Jamie Spears a total dick. And they're like, great, approved. It is the American dream. So he lived that out. And in case those in the back didn't hear Sam, he told TMZ the same thing when they caught him out and about. What I said is what I said. So I think he's a dick. That's just my opinion. But I'm not going to go into details. Uh, that's it, man. Can you guys ever be on good terms? I hope so. Once he starts treating his daughter right, right. then we can be on good terms. No, no. Um, I can't characterize Jamie Spears as a dick because I don't know him that intimately. But I will say this. Jamie Spears, to me, this is just my opinion. I'm not alleging anything. I'm just saying this is how I feel. I've worked a lot of retail jobs. And <laughs> Jamie <laughs> I need to preface by saying this. I've worked a lot of retail jobs. Jamie very much fits the profile of, like, a middle-aged dad who makes problems at the returns desk. Like, I've worked enough customer service to tell you that, like, Jamie Spears triggers me in a way that is very specific to a retail worker. Uh, a male Karen is a Jamie. I get vibes of that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. And like, I do think that Sam, getting back to Sam, is a good guy. But because like Brittany has been used by so many people in her life, including her own father, I do look at him like, but is he? Yeah, you I know can't. What I mean? mm-hmm. It's so true. I like, I can't, I feel like anybody will use her. And so Sam has to like really prove that he isn't a user and that is a really really hard mountain to climb because it is like user mountain yeah especially since she's the rich famous one yeah but i will say he doesn't seem i mean this is all optics he doesn't seem like a fame whore on social media he seems very supportive of her and i would say dare i say somewhat quiet like, he seems like he is in it for the right reasons. I say he's quiet, and then, of course, like, he literally just Instagrammed that, like, his girlfriend's dad is a dick, and he's, <laughs> he's like, I'll fight him. Like he, So he's, like, a little bit not as quiet as I'm saying. He seems okay. Yeah, I'd, li- I'd like to think that. Although he does he does owe dicks an apology, because dicks are a beautiful thing. They, they don't deserve the comparison. Okay, so moving on from dicks to balls... This Sunday was the 55th Super Bowl, which is the Oscars of football. And Michael, I have a question for you because I know that you're a huge sports person. Yes. The go, biggest... go Baltimore Ravens? Is that Close. Okay. Close. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, right there. And They're the right next door to each other. Exactly. And the Chiefs who are from... Kansas uh, City. Yes, which is not in Kansas. Did you know that? I did know that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> not there. Kansas City is not the main city in Kansas. No. So that's your geography lesson. So here's my question, Michael. What is the best part about the Super Bowl for you? What would you say is the best part about the Super Bowl? The eating. The eating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's- the eating. That's that's the best number one by far. I mean, yeah, that's the main draw for me, too. My favorite part about the Super Bowl is waiting for the halftime show to be over so I can finally change the channel and go to non-football-related television. 
Well, the, the halftime show is always like 90 minutes after kickoff. So you just have to... Time it right. Yeah, you just have to click back from Puppy Bowl to halftime show right before it starts. See, that's another thing that we don't get in Canada. I don't get Puppy Bowl. So I have to watch the actual Super Bowl. You don't? Where's the petition for that? Um, you guys should be demanding a Puppy Bowl. I've written letters to my... Uh, Congress. You don't have Congress people. We here. don't have Congress either. <laughs> Your, my parliament, your, my parliament member, yeah, my member of parliament, yeah. I've I've written her many times saying, "When are you going to get on this? This is very important." So, fans of this is a very niche group. Fans of songs about coke, fast cars, broken noses, and exotic dancers might say that their favorite part of this year's Super Bowl was the halftime show. Because so all of Hollywood, it. all of Hollywood, and all of like Wall Street bros loved it. Yes, exactly. Anyone who's appeared in a Michael Mann movie, I make that comparison a lot, but it's it's an accurate comparison. So The weekend hosted um, the Super Bowl halftime show. I hate to name drop Canada for the 50th time in this episode, but this was the first halftime show that was hosted by a Canadian entertainer. So trust me, Canadian media, media has not shut up about that since Sunday. Y'all are proud. <laughs> We're very... We're going to ride this out for the next uh, 11 months and four weeks. So <laughs> so The weekend um, had said before the Super Bowl that he wasn't going to have any special guests. And he didn't. He should have been specific. He should have said, I'm not going to have any special A-list entertainers. Because he did have uh, several guests, which were an army of clones who looked just like him. Wh- which is to say they were all dressed like aspiring magicians. So the weekend's whole thing over the past like two years when he's been, you know, promoting his album after hours has been like dressing all in black with a red coat and like black driving gloves. It's very eighties. It's very like crime film noir kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, um, beat up driver for the mob. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's very, very accurate. Yeah. He's just a driver. Like the movie Baby Driver was a driver. Um, or Ryan Reynolds in, or sorry, Ryan Gosling in the movie Drive. All this talk about cars has confused me. Okay, so <laughs> he's the Super Bowl halftime show this year, sponsored by Pepsi as it usually is, um, was it had to be more like COVID compliant this year because obviously the whole Super Bowl itself had to be social distanced. If you're watching it all, you would have noticed that there was. The stands had people in it, but it also had cardboard cutouts. Well, those people, you I think you paid $100 for them. And then you also, like, you got to watch a special viewing of it. And I think you got put into a drawing. Why do I know this? You yeah, got put you, into a drawing. Did you get a cardboard cutout, Michael? Did yes, you pay $100 for that? But um, you, like, got put into a drawing to win tickets to the Super Bowl. So they they made money off those things. I mean, good for someone for making money, but I mean, what a waste of cardboard. No offense to the people that spent $100, but like, imagine you spent $100. It never gets on the camera. Nobody sees it. You don't win tickets to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'd be pissed. You're watching the same show that everybody else is watching at home. Yeah, that would be a waste. So um, usually when there's a halftime show, uh, obviously, you know, they set up like the stage in the middle of the stadium and people come down from the stands and they like... They're the audience at the Super Bowl. Well, that didn't really happen this year because obviously you can't be standing that close to strangers. So instead he had, you know, 
all of his kind of like backup dancers, I guess I want to call them. Yeah, they were friends. dancers. Yeah, they were dancing. They were yeah. like, they were there. Um, so he had a choir. Yeah, there's a choir that was like, they were like kind of lowered in from the roof. The uh, the No, the, the stage, like that part was like in the stands. And then at the beginning, there was like one angel that like lowered. Yeah. But and it then was... he came out. I don't, maybe it was supposed, I don't think it was supposed to be him. Anyways, and then he came out because like most of it was in the stands. Yeah. And then he like, they came out into the field with his chorus of bandage dancers. But see, I thought that he was the angel that came down. I thought he. I thought that was him. We'll investigate. That's for our yes. Patreon. Next week's Patreon mm-hmm. is and see, who was the angel in the Super Bowl halftime yeah, show. Yeah. And visually, though, so you said it was in the stands, but visually when I was watching it from TV, maybe I have a really bad television, but it looked like the um, choir was being lowered in as well. They could have been. I don't remember. I was, I, I mean, honestly... Two seconds into that show, I was falling asleep. So you're in a they food could've. coma. Yeah, it's not your fault. Well, problem. and a weekend coma, but we'll get to that. Yeah. So um, you had written on the website that the weekend reportedly spent seven million dollars of his own money to put on that halftime show, and so yeah, because they don't pay. No, because I guess they're just like it's when it's like when people are like, "I'll pay you an exposure." It's like you literally get paid an exposure. They're like, you can. You're going to be on television. All these people will be watching you. We're not going to And stream your, your music, buy your yeah. albums. Yeah. Maybe they give them some free Pepsi, but I don't think it's much more than that. So um, he spent a lot of money, but I mean, I think a lot of it was spent on red jackets and bandages. Um, because- I did not see where that money was spent. The sound, that's where it should have been spent because the sound was horrible. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. So the person that I was watching with at, before it started up, I like told them, I was like, okay, every um every performance i've ever seen of the weekend it's been very very clear that he's lip syncing and i mean look i don't know i'm not the sound person but like you know when you just you watch someone perform and you like okay this is lip syncing um that's like a lot of weekend performances to me so i was like okay this is gonna be great this is gonna be just like a great lip sync performance and then he started singing and i was like oh no they're doing it live <laughs> like yeah, it's just could- this you could definitely tell they were doing it live because he sounded like he was singing into a potato. Yeah, he was. it was just like a deflated football that was like the echo on it. It was just very, it wasn't great. But again, it's like, what can you expect? It's like, it's a weird COVID Super Bowl. They shouldn't even have been having it anyway. It was very weird. You don't think they should have had it, the halftime show? They shouldn't even have had a Super Bowl. People should have just stayed home. That's going to be a super spreader event. Believe me, in two weeks, it's it's not going to be good. Well, they should have just had the puppy ball. I, that's all we wanted at home. That's all we want. Just give me three hours of the puppies. I would have taken a puppy halftime show. If the weekend wanted to perform in the middle of a bunch of puppies, who would have said no to that? The puppies, because they don't want to fall asleep. And puppies are well, they do. So they like sleepy. sleeping. Yeah, they like sleeping. Love yeah. to sleep. They would be oh. all for that. Yeah. <laughs> so one of my favorite things about the halftime show, and I mean, it was everyone's favorite thing because it became a meme. Was like at one point in time, the weekend like runs backstage, and he's being chased around by the camera person, and it's very like chaotic, which is very on brand for his for like after hours. But I mean, listen, they could have spent zero dollars and gotten that same effect. He could have just run backstage and then the camera person would have been like, oh, 
What's going on? And then they just follow them around. They didn't need to choreograph that is what I'm saying. No, and it gave me the dizzies. And they should have put a warning. Like, (laughs) if you have epilepsy, leave the room. If you get the dizzies a lot, leave the room. Actually, just leave the room. Yeah, they're like, you'll be better off. They're like, this next part's not, it's not the strongest part of the performance. Just go to the bathroom if you need to. (laughs) Go get another drink. You're fine for the next 30 seconds. Um, So he played, or he performed, excuse me, a medley of his hits, including Call Out My Name, Starboy, which he did like the radio edit of it, which is always very funny to hear. It's the one where the chorus is like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a star boy. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> um, the Hills, Can't Feel My Face, I Feel It Coming, Save Your Tears, Earned It, House of Balloons, Blinding Lights. And here's the thing. I mean, I'm obviously never going to choreograph or produce a halftime show in my life. But if I was to do this one, at the end when, so he like ended with Blinding Lights. And I don't know, like they should have just thrown up a giant screen and played a bunch of the TikToks where people are dancing to Blinding Lights. Do you remember that? Like, yes. this time last year, Blinding Lights was huge on TikTok and everybody had that dance where they kind of like, they like run into the room, but they're like run kicking sort of. Yeah, everybody's dad was forced to do it. Oh, yes. Yeah, the, a lot of dads were pulled into it. They should have just, honestly, that could have just been the halftime show. That should have just He could have just yeah, been like, t- take it away, TikTok. And they just like show like 50 of them in a row. I would have liked it. It's socially distanced and fun. And cheap. Do So what did you think of the show, honestly? Very honestly, there wasn't enough razzle-dazzle for me. Like, yeah. I, I like I like seeing Beyonce perform at the Super Bowl. I like seeing Prince perform at the Super Bowl. I liked seeing Prince, I guess I should say. Um... I even, you know what Super Bowl is actually a lot of fun if you go back and rewatch it, is Madonna. Yeah, Madonna's is when you, well, it was, I remember at the time I thought it was really weird, but I loved it. Oh my God, it's great. Well, and I'm with you. It's like when I want a Super Bowl, to me, his performance was like American Music Awards, which is fine. But for the Super Bowl, I want glitz. I want spectacle. I want set pieces. I want costume changes and he kept wearing that same international male blazer throughout the whole thing and i kept like there has to be a costume change in this the blazer something yeah the blazer wasn't even studded with rhinestones no i think it was sequins so it was really poor man's rhinestone yeah it was really budget and you know i like his songs and i like him but he needed guest stars Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying that it wasn't like it wasn't a turd of a performance. Like it was not when Room 5 exists. Exactly. I mean, the bar is so low. The bar is like halfway through to the Earth's crust at this point. But like, so it's good. Yeah, it was just very like, it felt like a Grammy performance, which is too bad because apparently like rumor has it that um, the weekend was like made to choose between either performing at the Grammys or performing at the Super Bowl. And he picked Super Bowl and... I mean, good for him. I guess like you check something off of the bucket list. But yeah, it there needed to be more. It needed to be like I, my favorite Super Bowl halftime shows are when they're like very campy and like they understand they're very self-aware of what is happening. That's why I really like Madonna's halftime show. Yeah. She understands like the she understands how dumb like the halftime show is. Yeah, so did Katy Perry, which is why she yes. had dancing sharks. I mean, Absolutely. honestly, they should just scrap this whole 
you know, music act thing and bring back up with people. Can we get that many people in once? We don't know what COVID is going to be like next year. Up with cardboard cutouts. Okay, so now we're going to get into the Gorilla Glue saga. And it's really turned into a saga. Mm-hmm. This started out on TikTok, where everything starts out nowadays. A woman named Tessica Brown posted a TikTok video showing her hair slicked back into a braid ponytail. So it's like all her hair is completely flat onto her scalp. And then she has like a braid ponytail. So she said on the TikTok that her hair has been slicked back like that for a month and not by choice. So Tessica says that when she does her hair, she likes to finish it off with hairspray. And she usually uses got to be glued spray, which is an extra hold hairspray. Mm -hmm. But she ran out of it so she used gorilla glue glue spray thinking it would wash out later so if you don't know gorilla glue is like super glue in mm-hmm. other words you're not supposed to put that glue on your skin and you're definitely not supposed to use it as hairspray no tessica realized she made a bad bad horrible mistake because her hair doesn't move Her hair is now like an old navy mannequin. It's just like it's bonded to her scalp. (laughs) I'm very specific with old navy. (laughs) Well, because they have those mannequins that have like hair, plastic hair. Oh, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't wear wigs. It's very hard. So that's what Tessica's hair is like now. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't seen the pictures, they look painful. You can Google them. Just Google like gorilla glue hair and you'll see all of the pictures um but you know maybe caress your hair and scalp beforehand telling them you'll never spray gorilla glue on them because it's traumatizing Mm -hmm. my hair follicles have little tear ducts and they're crying yeah yeah cover them up before you look at the pictures so tessica got a lot of ideas from people on how to free her head of her gorilla glue prison And even Gorilla Glue piped in on Twitter to say that you should never use it as hairspray, duh, and that there's no reason to think you can use it as hairspray, but they recommended using alcohol to get it off. Tessica tried that. It didn't work. Eventually, she went to the ER near her home in Louisiana, and the medical staff tried to use nail polish remover and saline water to get the glue out. She was there for 22 hours. It's too long to spend in the hospital. And then she went home and continued to use the nail polish and saline water treatment to try to get the glue out. So Tessica was able to get the ponytail off. It took four hours and that looked fucking painful. And a Beverly Hills plastic surgeon named Michael Obang has offered to do a procedure using medical-grade glue remover. The procedure will take three days and usually costs around $12,000, but he's doing it for free. And Tessica is flying to L.A. this week to get the procedure done. This definitely feels like it's going to end up on an episode of Botched. Yes. So good for Tessica for getting those, you know, TLC, get a TLC check out of this. Yeah, hopefully. That's E, right? Mm, 
one of those cable channels. <laughs> They're all the same. Yeah. So to also help pay her medical bills, Tessica started a GoFundMe, which has gotten around $16,000 in donations as of today. Tessica has also hired a lawyer and is considering suing Gorilla Glue because she says the label says to not use the product on eyes, skin, or clothing, but it doesn't mention not using it on your hair. Oh, Tessica, honey, do they have to specify? I mean... The the American legal system is like, oh, they didn't mention hair on the bottle? Mmm, nice. They're like, like when they like stroking your hands, you're like, ah, excellent. <laughs> so you're saying she doesn't have a case? I don't think she has a case just because it's like, it's glue. You're not supposed to use it on hair. And they say don't use it on skin. Like, that is the warning. Like, they skipped yeah. hair and they went right yeah. to skin. Plus, your scalp is skin. Yeah, so no, there's she, the technicality. Yeah, I don't think so either. Either. I mean, maybe no. they'll settle, but like my thoughts are with her scalp skin because when I look at those pictures, I'm just, it's like a glue shell from hell. Yeah, it's hard. It looks hard. It's not fun. I mean, I know exactly what she did though because when I was in my MySpace years, um, I used to use that got to be freeze spray. Um because I had like the, you know, the emo porcupine here. And um, uh, I would go through like a can of it a week. Like I used a ton of it. I was also in art school at the time. So I was using a lot of spray adhesive, which is basically just aerosol glue, right? It's like Gorilla Glue. And so many times I thought, why am I not just using spray glue on my hair? This can of hairspray, it was costing me like $25 at the time. I was going through a can of it a week. I don't know where I got the money for it. And the spray glue was free if I yeah. went in the right room at school. So I was like, why am I not just using this? And my better judgment took over and was like, don't put glue on your hair. Yeah, especially all the way, all the way, all the way, all the way back then. There was no TikTok. So it's not like you could have gone on TikTok. <laughs> so it's not like you could have gone on TikTok. And then next thing you know, a Beverly Hills plastic surgeon is offering to remove the glue for you. That would not have happened. All the, nope. way, all the 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 way. I didn't even know low glue was invented back then. <laughs> I have, I have tried to use. <laughs> I have tried to use glue. Yeah, but I didn't use Gorilla Glue because this was all the way, all the way, all the way back yeah. then. So the Gorilla Glue spray did not exist or else i would have probably used it which thank god it didn't exist but i have curly hair so i've always wanted straight hair Mm -hmm. so i figured that i could glue my hair straight what because you know like when my hair would be wet and i would like um you know pull it out it would be straight right right you'd like comb it out it would be sort of straight yeah so if i put glue in it it will stay straight and i tried it with i tried a few pieces with elmer's and it didn't didn't work did it even dry i no i don't think it did it dry i don't even remember i think i probably washed it out before it dried because it was just curling back but you know what i was young okay it was last week honestly (laughs) 
Allison and I are now going to talk about five stories, starting with Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley. So Aaron Rodgers is a football player for the Green Bay Packers. Shailene Woodley is an actress. She's been in the Divergent movies and Big Little Lies. And she's also a certified hippie because she's into eating clay and getting some vitamin D by sunning her snatch. Not vitamin dick, actual vitamin D. (laughs) So we found out last week that Aaron and Shailene are casually dating. And over the Super Bowl weekend, Aaron was awarded um, MVP of the NFL. And while in during his speech, he dropped the news that he's engaged and he thanked his fiance in his speech, but he didn't name her. People magazine later confirmed that Ryan, uh, Ryan, Aaron and Shailene are engaged and they've been together for at least seven months. So Aaron dated Danica Patrick before Shailene and Danica was clear that she wanted to marry Aaron. And there's a rumor that Danica introduced Shailene to Aaron. Messy. Mm-hmm. Wonderfully messy. So I'm excited for when these two get married because I want to believe that when the priest or, you know, officiant asks if anyone here has any objections, his whole family is going to stand up and they're going to ask, can we have confirmation? You are not Olivia Munn, correct? You're not? Okay, proceed. Yeah, because Olivia Munn and Aaron Rodgers' family hated each other. Yes. Yeah. And there's been gay rumors about Aaron Rodgers, right? Mm-hmm. And his ex, back to Olivia Munn, she added fuel to the gay rumor fire by saying that she believes one of her ex-boyfriends is gay because he was horrible at eating cooch. I think we talked about that, and I think we clowned her for it, we, right? We definitely did, yes. So because some think, you know, because of that, some think that Shailene is Aaron's beard, Mm -hmm. And now will be his bridal beard. But I don't know because I'm gay. And if I got to choose a beard, right, I would not choose the one who would make me eat clay. And and the one who would make me sun my beehole. I mean, you usually can catch me spreading my cheeks, you know, in the in the forest part of a park. But it's (laughs) not for vitamin D. So, yeah, so I think this is real love between Aaron and Shailene. It has to be. So Australia has been very good and strict about keeping coronavirus numbers low. So they get to do things we don't get to do, like go to the opera, Mm -hmm. which I know when coronavirus, the pandemic comes down, that's the first place you're going to go, Allison, is the opera. Oh, I'm itching. I'm itching to go. So last month, Nicole Kidman, her husband, Keith Urban, and her mother all went to the opera at Sydney's Opera House. During Curtain Call, the audience gave a standing ovation, including Nicole, Keith, and Nicole's mom. So the man behind them didn't like that and told them to sit back down. Keith refused, and so the man, prepared to gasp, swatted Nicole with his program. (gasps) Keith accused the man of assaulting her and called their bodyguards who got Nicole and her mom out of there. The police were called, but after speaking with Nicole and the swatter, they closed the case and no arrests were made. I mean, Nicole claps like a seal, so she should have attacked him like a seal and bit him. Yeah, he did. He swatted the first spot. Also, I mean, what a stupid thing to swat over. Like, they're standing up and giving a 
standing ovation to the performers. Congratulations. Lots of people do that. Plus, it could have been worse. He was sitting there and Nicole Kidman was in front of him and he didn't like what he saw. But guess what? He could have been at home and Nicole Kidman could have been in front of him and he could have been watching Grace of Monaco and that would have been worse. Have you seen Grace of Monaco? I've seen clips. <laughs> yeah, keep. I have seen it, so keep 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 it at the clips. Yeah. But, you know, this man is obviously dead on the inside because if you were sitting behind Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban, you wouldn't even pay attention to what's going on on the stage. You wouldn't be atten- paying attention to people standing up because you'd be so dazzled by Keith's gorgeous highlights. For all two hours. Chrissy Teigen caused some outrage on Twitter recently. She asked her 13 million followers, what's the most expensive thing they've eaten that they thought sucked? Chrissy shared her own by mentioning the time that she and John went out to dinner and the waiter recommended a nice Cabernet to them. So they said, okay. And when they got the bill, they found out the wine was $13,000 a bottle. Chrissy wondered how the waiter casually recommended a $13,000 bottle of wine to them and said they'd even get to finish it because the bottle was cleared. So, of course, Chrissy was dragged for being very relatable during a time when people are out of a job and can't afford a $13 box of wine, let alone $13,000. So, Allison, can you relate to this? Um, I actually can so I can relate to this in the uh, not Chrissy Teigen way. Um, so one time I wanted to make Easter dinner, like I was having my family over for Easter dinner. And um, I went to this butcher that's like down the street from me, like in my neighborhood. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy a ham. I'm going to buy a good ham. Like I'm not going to get grocery store ham. I want to buy a good ham. And so I ordered it. I was like, I'd like a ham. I'm having like you know, six people for dinner. Can I, can you get me a ham for six people? And they're like, yeah, of course. And I was like, I don't want too much ham. I want a normal sized ham. And they were like, okay, yeah, of course. So then when I went to go and collect my ham, um, I picked it up and I was like, ooh, that seems like a big ham. And they were like, no, it's fine. It's like, this is the ham you'd have for like six to seven people. I was like, okay, fine. And then they rang it in and it was $150. But you didn't look at the price per pound. But they didn't list it. That's the thing. It was... You didn't ask them? I know it's my okay, fault. Okay, you're rich. You're Chrissy Teigen kind of rich. No, I'm not because I honestly thought it was going to be like $20. That's why I didn't ask. Is because I was like, how much can a ham be? How much can a ham be? Listen, the story... Well, ends... when he when he told you, why weren't you like, um, can you just cut off a little bit of the side? Like, maybe cut half. Actually, no, I, <laughs> I literally did. I literally went, oh, I just need to call someone and just make sure that this is the right ham. And I went outside and I cried. <laughs> I just stood outside of the door and just cried. I was like, oh, I fucked up. Yeah, and see, like, I, like, I ask for recommendations sometimes for... Mm-hmm wine by the glass Mm -hmm. but once they give me that recommendation my eyes go directly to the menu to see how much that is before i say yes or no but that's so that's smart though and if there's no price listed would you not ask oh yeah i would totally ask that's why like you know like we get it chrissy you're like you're the kind of rich who you don't need to ask the price of a bottle of wine especially a bottle i would definitely ask the price and i would ask it twice but still like gwyneth paltrow was probably disgusted by the story 
and asked Chrissy what restaurant they went to because she's not going to go to a restaurant where they serve her cheap house wine like a peasant. She's like, what is this? Red Robin? Applebee's? Olive Garden? (laughs) So 26-year-old rapper Little Uzi Vert recently shared pictures and videos of a gigantic 10-carat pink diamond that he got pierced into the middle of his forehead. So the diamond reportedly cost him $24 million, and Uzi has been making payments on it for the past four years. So he basically lay away a $24 million pink forehead diamond earring that looks like the scab of a sweet secret stall. (laughs) This is an excellent way for little Uzi Vert to tell people that he makes dumb decisions, and that he's terrible with money. So with that being said, whoever sold Chrissy Teigen that $13,000 bottle of wine is definitely praying that little Uzi Vert books a reservation at the restaurant. Yes. Pro- they'll probably reach out. Mm-hmm. And finally, Poppy's Pizza, a restaurant in Glenview, Illinois, has been selling something they call Pizza Lad. Um, it's basically the baby of a pizza and salad. It's a pre-baked thin crust with salad and dressing on top of it. So they make a BLT one, a buffalo chicken one, and a chicken Caesar version as well. They apparently sell out quick. But isn't that like what California, isn't this basically California Pizza Kitchen pizzas? Yeah, kind of, because California Pizza Kitchen is like thin crust, fancy stuff on top. Um, You know, to get the real pizza lad, pizza salad, experience there's actually a really crucial third element to it so it's pizza and salad and pepto-bismol because that's what you're gonna need to drink after you eat a pizza lad you wouldn't need a pizza pizza lad oh, the name first of all the name is horrible yeah it's like you don't know if it's pronounced pizza lad or pizza lad i think it's pizza lad like yeah, Gavna it, should on pizza like, lad. it should be like saliza Saliza, that actually sounds really fancy. You just rebranded it. Pizza Lad sounds like Pizza Lad. Yeah, it doesn't sound good, but Saliza, that sounds like yum. Give me one of those. We're going to do some Gen Z 101 this week. Uh, This is where I, an old person, and Allison explain something from the Gen Z universe to you. Although this one has transcended into other generations. So we're talking about Jojo Siwa, who many of you may know since you see those damn bows at Walmart everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're literally everywhere. Like if it rains and like there's like- a- Literally everywhere. Like I just looked outside and there's like a-, a bush of those bows yeah when a sewer fills up with too much rainwater there's like sticks and twigs and jojo siwa bows just coming out onto the street so jojo siwa is joelle joni siwa aka jojo siwa daughter of jesselyn siwa and tom siwa so you might know jojo siwa if you watched um abby's ultimate dance competition or dance moms because that's where jojo siwa became popular you probably if you watch those shows, you definitely remember Abby Lee Miller shouting, Jojo! Because she was always yelling at Jojo. So, she was yelling at everyone. So, yeah, to yeah, be fair. She wasn't every- yelling at Jojo. She was yelling at um, Abigail. Brit- I don't know the name of these girls, but yeah, yeah she was naming it. Yeah. So um, Jojo Siwa, it, I mean, one of the reasons that 
Abby Lee Miller was often yelling at Jojo is Jojo had a lot of energy. Um, Jojo was like loud. Jojo was like always moving. Um, Jojo was very tiny and she had a blonde ponytail that was pulled very tightly into like a side ponytail. That's her look. She has not deviated from that look. Good for her. Yeah. And if I didn't see, if I haven't seen her with it down, I would think that she's Gorilla Glue and it's just... She's just keeping it there forever. I think, I think Jojo Siwa is bald, but she has drawn on like lines and shading on her head to make it look like hair. And she's just glued a ponytail on the top of her head. That's how like slick and smooth it is. So Jojo Siwa in like 2016, she was 13 at the time. Um, she kind of moved on from Dance Moms. And so she was getting into like youtube a singing career she released a single called boomerang she was a huge hit with children that's why like the most natural brand extension for her was to do like hair bows her audience was like six-year-olds which is great because her whole like personality is rainbows hair bows uh candy friendship high energy aggressively positive right yeah and she like is seems to like never age she's like elisa frank peter pan yeah, she might be a cartoon. There's no aging. But she's also like a huge hit with these kids' moms, too, because she's, you know, she's very like positive. It's about friendship. It's, you know, it's like not about being a mean girl. It's about like staying true to yourself and all this stuff. So she had two types of fans. Like she had like fans that were kids. And also parents really liked her, too, because it's like she wasn't, she wasn't like swearing in her songs. She was very child safe. I mean, she's very hyperactive, but if that's the worst thing you can say about her, then fine. That's all right. So she kind of launched a singing career um, that was also combined with like a little bit of a TV and a YouTube career. So she was like on some Nickelodeon shows and stuff like that. But generally, she maintained a YouTube audience. And from that, she kind of parlayed it into a singing career, releasing albums. She went on tour. um, So she like sings her own songs, but she also does covers of songs. Um, there's like a very like famous video of her, um, singing Crocodile Rock, a cover of Crocodile Rock. And she's like in a completely like bedazzled, um, baseball outfit, kind of like, um, Elton John. Really great reference. Um, so yeah, but she's always been like big on, she, her thing is like social media. Like if you had to say who is Jojo Siwa, you wouldn't say she's a TV star. You'd be like, oh, she's a social media person. She's a YouTuber. Yeah, and it's all about, like, her image because her house matches, like, what she dresses like and which is, like, colorful. Her car... Double guns. Yeah, her her car has her covered in her face. Yeah, it's, like, you know who JoJo Siwa is. The branding is so... Like, there's no... You're never going, hmm, what's JoJo Siwa's favorite color? It's all the colors. Yeah, and she'll put her name and face on everything like there's so much oh, JoJo the merchandise. merchandise yeah oh jojo siwa put her name on so many things that at one point in time she released an eyeshadow palette that tested positive for asbestos <laughs> that's a true story yeah she like like I she, remember she, that. jojo siwa so many times has had to apologize for stuff like hey guys i'm sorry they found razor blades in my candy floss yeah. whoopsies like she yeah she literally puts her name on absolutely everything yeah so that's Jojo Siwa. Now, the reason why she's been getting attention the last couple of weeks is because she came out as queer last month. And it was kind of a slow rollout. Like, nowadays, these kids aren't coming out on the cover of People magazine like, yep, I'm gay. 
<laughs> that's yeah that yeah. that's that's ba- back in the past i'm sorry ellen yeah we're, we're doing that like this started on tiktok again where everything starts i'm pretty sure adam and eve met through tiktok but um jojo posted a tiktok of her lip syncing to lady gaga's born this way and then she was later in a tiktok video where she danced with members of pride house la which is a group of queer tiktok creators so people took those two moments and figured that was her way of coming out but then she really came out when she tweeted a picture of her in a t-shirt that read best gay cousin ever and she said that her cousin got her that shirt so <laughs> i love so, i yeah. love i love like listen i'm i'm all for somebody like controlling their own narrative and like their own coming out story but that was one of those things where i'm like did your cousin really get you that shirt or was this just like this is like was she just like hmm this would be a good way to do it who yeah. gave me this shirt? My Twist. cousins. Why not? Twist. <laughs> Jojo doesn't have cousins. Yeah. So Jojo then did an Instagram live and said that she's never been happier and that she's not going to put a label on her sexuality. So like she's not saying she's bi or lesbian. She's mm-hmm. just Jojo. Many were supportive of Jojo, but of course there were some who were like, you know, you were such a great role model to my child and mm-hmm. you're not anymore. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Put a bow in it, Janice. Like, shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> JoJo's coming out rollout also included an appearance on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, where she said that coming out was scary, but if she lost everything she's created and the money she's made over being herself and who she loves, she doesn't want it. JoJo revealed during that interview that she's got a girlfriend and her girlfriend helped her to make the decision to come out. And then JoJo uh, revealed that her girlfriend is a girl named Kylie, not Kylie Jenner or Kylie Minogue, and that they've been best friends for over a year and started dating a month ago. JoJo posted about their one-month anniversary and posted pictures with her girlfriend. I mean, one-month anniversary is like 10 years to a 17-year-old. I was just going to say. They've really made it. Oh, yeah. to be 17 again and, like, posting about your one-month and two-month anniversaries. Um, I love that, like, JoJo was, like, like, that's, like, a very profound thing for her to say, to be, like, even if I, like, lost all lost all my money or whatever, like, I need to, like, be honest and whatever. And it's like, JoJo, you're not going to lose any money. You literally will brand everything. That's not something you have to worry about here. <laughs> okay, so that is everything you need to know about jojo siwa and yeah i definitely know a lot about jojo siwa probably too much now so i need to um erase my brain you're gonna go buy one of those bows at walmart aren't you yeah i totally am and i'm gonna like gorilla glue my hair all the way back with the bow in it so it can be like it can be there forever so if you've got some Gen Z shit that you'd like us to cover, email us at DTP at delisted.com. If you've got a question for us, you can also email us at DTP at delisted.com. So that ends the show. Allison, go get yourself some Salisa. Oh. Get yourself a s- s- slice of Salisa. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a delicious taste sensation of a Salisa later. Bye. Bye.